You're listening to the Next Exec Podcast Series with Executive Women's Forum. Thank you for listening in to the Next Exec Podcast today. For this episode, Kristen Wilbur, Senior Manager at Shellman & Company, sat down with Debbie Zeller, Principal at Shellman & Company, to discuss privacy and current events related to the topic. Debbie leads the SOC 2, SOC 3, and Privacy Service Lines, and is also an AICPA-approved and nationally listed SOC specialist. As practice leader, she is responsible for internal training, mythology creation, and quality reporting. Debbie also leads the firm's Midwest market. Debbie has over 20 years of IT compliance and attestation experience. Debbie was on the AICPA task force for the advanced SOC for certification exam, was a member of the Florida Institute of Certified Public Accountants Board of Governors, and served on the Finance and Office Advisory Committee. She is currently an advisory board member for the Mid-America Club. Thank you for tuning in to the Next Exec podcast. Today, we have Debbie Zoller with us. She's based out of Chicago, and she works at Shalman & Company. Um, Debbie, thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk to us today and teach us a little bit about privacy and some things that might interest folks that are listening. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into the privacy space and you know what sort of interesting things you've seen recently and, and, and some some cool stuff that you've seen come down the pipeline for privacy. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Kristen, thanks so much for having me on the show. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I, so I've been at Shaman and Company. I'm one of the partners. I've been here for about 15 years. Um, as you mentioned, I'm based out of Chicago. I run a couple different service lines, and a couple of years ago, we had started a privacy service line. And at the time, we were helping clients through uh, the safe harbor um, that was now invalidated and replaced by the privacy shield. But we were helping clients just kind of figure out whether they're compliant um, and then helping them to uh, show their controls and how they're meeting safe harbor in an attestation report for their customers. So kind of started off helping clients out with just that one service. And we've seen so much happening in the privacy world over the last few years since we started the, the privacy service line. So um, we've been able to add on lots of new services and we have lots to talk about today to kind of talk through what are some of the privacy changes we've seen even in the last year. Awesome. That sounds like a lot of work. It is a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot to but keep enjoyable. up on, especially you do sound when... Like you you sound like you like it though. So <laughs> definitely do. I definitely do. There's the, you know, a lot, you, it affects you personally as well as professionally. So you can really kind of understand where a lot of these privacy concerns are coming from. So it's, it's, we are very passionate about it for sure. <laughs> yeah. A relatable practice for sure. Yeah. Um, in the news lately, we've seen privacy being mentioned. I know that there's a lot of concerns around when COVID happened about HIPAA and, and data sharing and, and then maybe in some countries where they're sharing data between uh, or of locations and wh where people have been for contact and whatnot. And I think that privacy, even before all of this happened, was a, was sort of a hot topic, right? And we've seen some things mentioned like ISO 27701 and the NIST privacy framework. Can you tell us a little bit about what those are, how they might relate to organizations' privacy practices, and then what has changed in terms of, of these offerings? 
Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. As you mentioned, there has been a lot of a privacy change and ISO and NIST are certainly a couple of the big ones. So, uh, Ed, we'll start with ISO. ISO 27701 came out last year. It was back in early August. And it actually is an extension of the ISO 27001 certification. The objective of ISO 27701 was really to fill a gap in compliance that's kind of global in nature, meaning that you know, a lot of organizations are multinational organizations that um, have lots of different privacy laws that they are subject to. And this new standard essentially kind of fills that compliance gap for lots of different jurisdictions. Um, so the good thing is that it is relevant to any organization. So any organization, controllers, processors, any type um, essentially could go through this certification for either controller and or processor. But the only difference is that it is a 27,001 prerequisite. So as I mentioned, it's an extension of 27,001 um, certification. So this is kind of an add-on to that certification. There's essentially four main clauses of this new standard and clause five outlines really all of the privacy information management system requirements that are necessary. So unlike some other extensions for 27001 like 27017 or 27018 that are just additional control sets maybe for um, like 27017 is for uh, cloud providers and then you have some privacy information in the public cloud for 27018. This new standard 27701 is actually also uh, requiring a privacy information management system. It does require a little bit more effort for an organization to go through a 27701 because of that privacy information management system that should be developed in advance of going through this certification. Also, there's a lot of additional controls, more controls than you might have seen in some of the other 27001 extensions. For example, if you're a controller, there's 31 additional controls. And if you're a processor, there's 18 additional controls. So there are some additional controls that impact your Annex A controls of 27,001. And that's about roughly 32 controls that are impacted. So it can be a bit of an undertaking, um, but it is a, a really great standard that is uh, kind of showcasing your privacy program. But we, we also have uh, the NIST privacy framework that just came out January of this year. It's actually very similar in structure to the NIST cybersecurity framework in that it includes a core set of activities that are organized into five main functions that include uh, identify, govern, control, communicate, and protect. And then within each of these functions, you have categories and subcategories. Then you also have uh, profiles, which can be set by the organization, and it's based on a selection of those applicable functions, categories, and subcategories in order for an organization to determine their current state and their future or desired state of how they're managing privacy risks that are associated with processing personal data. So also similar to the CSF are implementation tiers included within this framework that go from um, partial to adaptive. And these implementation tiers essentially identify the areas where remediation or maybe resources are required in order to reach that uh, desired profile. So the NIST 
framework is it's a voluntary framework, right? Organizations really use this as a tool um, or and it can also be used by external auditors as well. But you're really assessing the privacy program of an organization and the maturity essentially of that privacy program. The cool thing about this NIST um, privacy framework is that you can also combine it with the uh, CSF framework. So as we know, these days, uh, privacy doesn't really, um, you can't have privacy without security. So security is very necessary with privacy and protecting personal information. So a lot of times uh, organizations can essentially combine the functions or the categories of the CSF into the privacy functions and have one combined framework. So it's a very flexible framework and it's really a great tool for establishing or determining what your privacy program looks like. So we've also, I wanted to mention too, I know we've um, talking a little bit about kind of global privacy frameworks here, but there's also some news on the domestic privacy uh, landscape as well. As we know, uh, California uh, came out with their CCPA, the California Consumer Privacy Act, and that became effective January of this year. It's set to be enforced July 1st, but in, actually in order for that to uh, occur, the Office of Administrative Law must have received and approved the regulation by May 31st. And actually, as of this week, the regulation was not on their list to review, which means we might actually have a delay in enforcement until October of this year. So earlier this year, we had um, heard that you know COVID and all of these happenings with COVID-19 was not going to affect the enforcement date of the California Privacy Act, but it looks like that might happen um, just because of some other reasons. And anyways, it's May 21st right now. So that's pretty timely to come out with some really important news, right? For a lot of organizations to know about. Exactly. Exactly. That's why I wanted to make sure I mentioned it on this today, because I think it's important for organizations that are subject to this act that it may not be enforceable. And May 31st is really going to be the deadline to watch out for. So for those of you who are listening and um, we've talked a little bit uh, about these privacy frameworks. Um, so ISO, if you're not familiar with it, is International Organization for Standardization. And they come out with a lot of um, different standards. Uh, for various companies to meet. So you can have it uh, based off technology or manufacturing or um, health health products and whatnot. So ISO does those sort of things. And the one that you're referring to, Debbie, then is this specific branch of theirs is they're referring to privacy. Um, and then National Institute of Standards and Technology, of course, is the one that comes up in this framework. And, and as you mentioned, um, governments even use this, right? So it's big in the U.S. government and, and whatnot as a framework to be held against for security and now privacy. That's right. That's right. Yes, yes. So then... The NIST is definitely a government, uh, a lot of government entities utilize NIST framework, um, but it's starting to take hold in the private industry as well. So a lot of companies are looking to the NIST CSF framework, and now they're kind of happy to have this privacy framework as well that they can combine with the CSF. So it's really, it's a really great new framework that just came out this year. And as you mentioned, the ISO 27701 is the privacy extension of the information security management system, which is 27001. So it's, it's actually not a standard on its own, meaning that an organization can't get accredited just for the privacy program of 27701. It would be a combined accreditation for 27001 plus 27701. 
again, kind of highlighting that uh, necessary need, a necessary uh, privacy with security combination. That's awesome. That sounds like it'll be very useful for organizations. I think it will. Yeah, I think organizations are going to find this very beneficial. And it's it's a great framework that is flexible and also applies to a global privacy framework. Right. And I think that so that's one of the things you mentioned global. So organizations nowadays, they're global companies, right? They're international. They have offices in the U.S. They have them in uh, abroad as well, um, or perhaps they're based abroad and have offices in the United States. So with all of these various privacy frameworks and regulations and requirements, do you know of any or is there a way that an organization can feel comfortable that they're being validated against all of these sort of jurisdictional type privacy frameworks? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And we get that question often from our clients, because as you mentioned, there are many companies out there that are multinational organizations subject to lots of jurisdiction privacy laws. And so the the difficult part right now is trying to figure out how to develop one privacy program that essentially meets all of these jurisdictional laws. Or if you have a privacy program already in place, how do you add on the requirements of a new law that comes about within one of your jurisdictions? So it's, a, it's a, an issue that we talk about with our clients all the time, and we try to help our clients through this process by laying out the basics of a privacy program, meaning that every single one of these privacy laws in each jurisdiction has a baseline set of privacy requirements that include things like transparency, being transparent right to the individual or the data subject, and communicating uh, your purpose and means of collecting information. Uh, They usually include a lawful basis for collecting the information, which could be consent or legitimate interest, etc. They usually all include data subject rights and what are those rights of individuals, including the timing for response to those uh, requests. They also include data transfer mechanisms. If an organization is transferring information to a third party or to another jurisdiction, there are some there are some restrictions and requirements there. And then, of course, you know, use of third parties. We all want to know if 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 an organization is utilizing another third party and um, how that third party is uh, using their information. So a lot of these basics are pretty much covered and can be covered in a privacy program. But then, of course, you have to add on the individual jurisdictional requirements that may not be specific to that that jurisdiction. And then kind of a way to to get to this is we, we say to first figure out what is the jurisdictions of an organization. So first, you kind of have to have to determine from an organization standpoint, where do we operate or where do we provide our services in which parts of the country or which parts of the United States? And then from there, perform a data mapping or a data inventory to figure out what types of data are we collecting from all of these services and customers that we are servicing. And finding out what the inventory looks like, you know, what type of data are we collecting, storing, transmitting, um, utilizing maybe in different jurisdictions. So that kind of data inventory, data mapping gives you a good idea of all the data that you have and that now we can develop our program to include these privacy program basics. But then again, each, you know, each requirement kind of adds, uh, each requirement would add on each jurisdictional privacy law. 
that's kind of the, the three-step process that we talk through with our clients. And it's it's not easy, right? Because clients are always looking for that kind of one overall privacy certification, right? That really meets the needs of all of these different jurisdictions. And there's unfortunately not really, you know, that one, um, one certification out there. However, I will say that ISO 27701 is probably the best certification we have right now in the privacy world that would essentially be a good certification for multinational organizations because the wording within 27701 really allows for flexibility because it does kind of set up those baseline um, privacy requirements that then you add on your individual jurisdiction requirements. So in order to go through the certification process of 27701, you have to have that privacy program baseline set laid out uh, within your privacy management system, but then also know what your individual jurisdictional laws are and be able to um, also include those specific requirements within your privacy program. So it really is kind of that one certification that really meets all privacy jurisdictional laws out there. You know, we mentioned NIST, and NIST is a great tool for developing your privacy program and kind of figuring out where your program wants to go and what your profile would look like in the future, but it's not necessarily a certification um, like ISO would be. There's also um, a certification in the APEC region called the APEC Privacy Framework, uh, CBPR or PRP certification, which is another great certification, uh, but it is only uh, really applicable for the APEC region. Got you. So the easy answer, the should I say the most straightforward answer is that there is no one certification, but you feel that because I know you and I have been to a couple conferences together and, and there's a lot of the chief privacy officers at these conferences and they're all talking about, well, I don't know how we're going to get third party validation of what we, the work we've been doing and the GDPR came out and everyone was like, well, are they going to have a certification component that comes with that? But it seems like maybe this 27701 is the response to that internationally. That seems to be how people are responding. Absolutely. I completely agree. I mean, this is the this is the topic that we've been talking about at a lot a lot of our conferences when we get on the subject of privacy programs and validation. Everybody's been looking for that that one uh, validation for all of the privacy programs that meet all of the jurisdictional laws. And this two seven seven zero one really is the answer. Um, you know, GDPR would be specific, obviously, to the EU uh, jurisdiction. So I think 27701 really is that multinational certification that organizations can now receive as part of their, you know, validation of the privacy program that they have in place. Because it is a, it is a bit of a rigorous um, audit to go through. As I mentioned, there's uh, several controls that uh, controllers and processors have to have in place in order to get the certification on top of the privacy information management system. So it really does kind of show the rigor that an organization went through um, and, and the solid foundation of the privacy program. Yeah. And the GDPR, so that one I'm super familiar with. I think everybody's probably tired of hearing that uh, four letter word or acronym rather, but um, APEC, the Asia one that you mentioned, what is it with the the APEC certification? Um, When did that come about and what countries does it cover? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I'm glad you brought that up because it really is um, something that's not well known out there. It's actually been around for a while. 
the Asia Pacific Economic Cooperation came together a while ago, several years ago, and essentially built a privacy framework that takes into account all of the different economies' privacy laws to create this one set of cross-border privacy rules. And this framework includes both privacy and security requirements. So again, the theme is that we can't have privacy without security. So it's kind of built in into this framework as well. This framework also covers uh, data transfer mechanisms. And the idea being that you know, organizations can um, really benefit from this certification within the marketplace, but also with the regulators in each one of these countries, because it really sets the standard for how these same privacy standards for personal information are in place at each of these organizations, especially when the information crosses borders. So right now, as I mentioned, the APEC region came to develop this privacy framework, but it's really been uh, nine economies that are participating in this system. And that includes Australia, Canada, Taiwan, Japan, Mexico, South Korea, the U.S., of course, and most recently, Singapore. So within each of these economies, there is um, regulatory enforcement as well as a certification body. So, for example, here within the U.S., we've got three certification bodies that can essentially certify uh, controllers or processors against the requirements that um, are either in line with the APEC framework or that are transparent from the uh, accountability agent or the certification body on their website as to what their certification requirements are that kind of meet this framework. So if you're a controller, you would look towards the CBPR requirements, and we have them on our website at shaman.com APEC. And if you're a processor, um, you would follow the processor certification requirements. So again, these requirements include a security component as well as a data transfer mechanism. And it's a really good way for an organization to highlight and to show uh, regulators that they have received the certification as an independent validation of their privacy program as they transfer personal information uh, across borders into these other countries. Wow, that sounds really comprehensive. And it's kind of nice to hear that more than one small region is covered, that that is a large number of countries that you just mentioned. I know you have your ear to the ground when it comes to privacy uh, frameworks and movement in that space. What are you hearing? Is there any future for a GDPR certification similar to the APAC one? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Um, It is a very sought after question, right? We all are wondering what's going on with GDPR certification. It is actually coming out. So finally this year, I think by the end of the year, you're going to start to see certifications out there. Uh, Each of the EU member states have a supervisory authority, which is kind of the authority, the authority in that member state to protect personal information. They are starting to work with accreditation um, firms or organizations within each member state to look for certification bodies to develop certification schemes for GDPR. All that means is that um, once certification bodies get approved from the member states for their certification scheme, we will have GDPR certification. So, you know, Shellman is actually working on that process right now for, for us to be a certification body, and I'm sure there are many other organizations out there doing the same and looking to have their certification scheme uh, developed and approved by the individual member states so that they can perform GDPR certification. 
So it is coming out finally, and I think that this year is probably going to be the year we'll start seeing that. My only hope is that it it does show that there is a, a GDPR certification scheme that's consistent across the member states. You know, as we've talked about organizations that are multinational, if they had to go through a GDPR certification scheme that's different in each of the different EU member states, it would be a little bit cumbersome. So I'm really hoping that we get to maybe one EU GDPR certification scheme that can be used um, for one organization and not have to go through several different audits. So I think that's all coming out soon and it's finally going to get worked out. That sounds awesome. Hopefully that's a nice thing for a lot of our listeners to hear. I know it, it will be exciting to see what, what that does and how that sh- sh- sort of shapes and, and molds what's going to be happening next in the privacy sphere. Well, I found that to be really informative. I know we work together, but you specialize in privacy and I don't. So I do appreciate you taking the time to explain a lot of that to me. And hopefully we have a bunch of listeners that learned a lot today. Is there anything that you wanted to leave us with or any uh, movement in the privacy space or anything about privacy that you thought might be a little uh, fun tidbit to share? Uh, Yeah, you know, I I think I gave a lot of information today that probably was information overload if some of you aren't familiar with some of these privacy laws. But if you have any more questions, I'd be happy to answer them. And we've got some more information on our website as well at www.shelman.com. So happy to answer any other questions or to have any other detailed conversations I just kind of touched the surface on some of these areas. Um, And then I would encourage everybody to keep an eye out for what happens with the CCPA. Awesome. Thanks again, Debbie. Thank you, Kristen. 